Welcome to another episode of Go Write Yourself. This is your host, The Blue Snowball, coming at you live after the entire podcast has been recorded. Because we have done the most intelligent thing of recording in the rain. So, stay tuned to that sweet sounds of the tip-tap-tipping against the windshield as we've not made any effort to explain why there's some strange background noise. Yeah. Hello. Alright. And welcome to a very exciting edition of Go Write Yourself. It's so exciting. The only show oh, dedicated, dedicated to telling get, you to get off your fat ass stop listening to this show and go, go write, write yourself. yourself. There we go, that was good. Now, we've had a very fun time because the last show we, was our first remotely recorded show. But yes. this is our first show ever recorded, and hopefully not the last. <laughs> ever recorded together uh, in, in a foreign country. Yeah. In the, in foreign the independent what? nation known as Florida. Florida. Foreign to, I don't know. Uh, both of us live in Scotland. Uh, some of the time. Some of the time. And uh, we just both happened to be in Florida. So I had a meet-up in Orlando because of my personality, apparently. And, oh, uh, the people were so excited to see you. Do you know what? I, I'll tell you something. I went to an event last night with yeah. my friend David, and we walked past, and he overheard someone say to his buddy, that's Anthony Samuel. Really? That's oh, a real thing. Fuck. Well, now, oh, yeah. Is Florida called the Sunshine State? It certainly is, and it's raining. <laughs> it's raining. So this, this rain, by the way, is totally going to get in on the recording. I know. Yeah, you guys should know. But uh, I, I feel like that's like a nice atmosphere. People feel like they're being lulled to sleep. Oh, yes. Uh, that is, yeah, that's another attitude that we're going to kind of, um, that we're going to bring to the podcast. We're is that is people being like slowly lulled to sleep. Yes, we're driving right now. Dri- well, you're driving. I'm driving. I'm in the passenger seat. Yes. Which is in the right side of the car. It is. Which is very confusing for Europeans. No, just British people specifically. You did. You tried to get in uh, on the driver's side of the car in this year, American I did. Car. And it's funny because I spent 18 months outside of Scotland. And when I came back, first thing I did was walk around the right side of the car. And my brother who was picking up from the airport was like, Anthony, this isn't Mexico. <laughs> or America for that matter. Yes. So, really, America refers to the the whole continent. Yeah, well, it does in America. It does. But outside of America. Right. But I think what's nice about uh, being digital nomads, being both of us digital nomads, is that sometimes you accidentally find yourself in the same place in this wide world of ours. Yeah, what are the chances of that? Yeah. Almost nothing. Almost nothing. It's Less than nothing. It's so freaking big. It's so unlikely that it has to happen. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like being alive at all. Yeah. But so, I find that, yeah, the fact that we're, we're able to, that we're both able to kind of do our jobs effectively. Uh, do we do our jobs effectively? Okay, maybe I should just say do our jobs at all. And uh, continue, like, from so far away from, like, you know, our comfortable living rooms that we wish we were in right now. Wow, it was a big strike of lightning. Uh, if you guys at home, just imagine the sea, rain pouring down the windshield, 
us not managing to, man to get to more than 35 miles per hour on the freeway and yet uh, a flash of lightning fills the sky. So I was trying to get back to the team at the right eye. Oh right, I know, that was very dramatic. Descriptive. Yeah. Right, uh, not a strong point in my life, actually. Something I've had to work on. Well, I don't think... Uh, Sorry, you were in the middle of saying where we're not running. No, I had no idea what I was saying. Uh, Us being able to do our jobs effectively. Right, yes. Uh, which comes to the point of dramatic writing. Uh, where... I don't think... Economic writing... Needs to be very dramatic. Although you'd make a bigger impression that way. Right. But... Um, definitely... Definitely screenplays, fiction, and uh, other sort of writing that I uh, almost got a job writing YouTube videos, that wants to be very dramatic as well. Because really, when you are writing uh, fiction or something kind of on, on the limb of fiction, you are, uh, that's what you're selling, really. You're, you're, you're what, soul? well, a little bit, depends on who you're working for. Uh, but what you want to create is a big feeling for people. I always thought, like, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, is that when you are, like, a fiction writer, you, uh, what you're, what you're giving to your audience is, uh, oh boy, oh boy. An experience. Yeah, an experience. Uh, a big... Uh, experience full of uh, full of like emotional content and we're looking uh, for fiction to teach them anything uh, if it's not like a matter of like a personal growth kind of thing right uh, well I mean I do think it's like interesting because different stressful. theories of in different periods of history fiction played a different role like if you look at the the sagas um, and you mean like the the, the Norse sagas? The Norse sagas. Ah, yeah, like those played the like Grendel. Those kind of played the same sort of role that soap operas played. You know, the gods were got in disputes. They were jealous. They had sex. They had drama. They they had character development. It was they, basically watching the only soap opera that was available. Yeah, and it was done through word word of mouth. So people told the stories and retold the stories and you heard the story before but someone tells it slightly differently and puts their own spin on it when you look at say Tolstoy, Dostoevsky Turgenev and um, what they were trying to do was tackle big philosophical questions that were existential in nature but not through the medium of like discursive text, they were they were trying to deal with the big questions of life and give moral guidance to people. Now, which in a sense, a lot of writers do through fiction, but I mean, that's not most of the fiction that people consume. But in a sense, it's very um, pretentious to think that you can give people moral guidance. And, and, and not, I, I'm not saying that something's not worth doing just because it's yeah, pretentious. I, I think it's I, I, I'm just mentioning that. Like... At the same time... Well, you shouldn't assume that you're not incapable a, of teaching anyone either. Yeah, it's, it's also naive, in a sense, to think 
that someone's going to read your book and <laughs> use it as a <laughs> use it as a source of moral guidance. One of the one of the problems with that is the people who need it the most won't read it. And the people who yeah. read it and love it, they love it because they see themselves reflected in it. You know, they go, yes, I this agree right. with your morality. And it wouldn't be so great if everyone saw it this way. Um, so that's... So you're going to change very few minds simply because... But well, that um, doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. Because no. see when people go, oh, that's just preaching to the choir. It's like, you do realize that people preach to the choir all the time. Like in church, right? You don't go, you guys are the choir... I'm not going to fucking preach to you. I'm just going to preach to all of these people who aren't in the choir. You know... I'm going to go to a prison and preach to them. People yeah. need heart and See, even if they agree with you, people need heart and Oh, it's good to feel that people... that other people understand it and are able to articulate what I think on my behalf better or in a different way than I could do it. Yeah. So, I don't know, you know, what the role is. Like, when you say people aren't really going to fiction to teach people, I know what I want from fiction. What do you want from fiction? Um, I want something to blow my mind with its insight into the human condition. I want really good characters that, I, I love character development. I love it when the, the book is peppered with um, little, Little things that get called that get record recalled later on in the book. You go, oh, now I see the relevance of that. I love when people do. But clever, you want that because it makes things. you feel something. Yeah, you yeah. Want that it makes like, me feel a sense like, of ooh, like, oh, this guy's good. Yeah, satisfaction. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like you, you be that is that is what you want. You want satisfaction. You want you want something to be introduced. You want to be uh, you want to find sympathy with something. Have that sympathetic something fall into conflict and danger. Be worried that mm -hmm. the the danger is going to to destroy the sympathy for forever, and then uh, have it resolved and have the sympathetic object overcome the danger to uh, to its own climactic uh, uh, you know result. One, you one up, go on. You end up getting uh, like that. That sort of. It, I mean, it's you know, manipulative in a sense, but for a purpose, like, for a purpose that you want to, to, to go on that journey, you, that's the whole idea of, like, suspending your disbelief, is because you want to be involved, you mm -hmm. know, like, mm -hmm. you, you want to be connected Yeah, you to want it. to experience something vicariously through the characters. Yeah. Um, one thing, you, one book, I, I've gone up, I'd not made time to read fiction for quite a long time. And then I read Flowers for Algernon. I think I listened to the audiobook first and then I read it. Yeah. And, and it wonder, one, of, one of the wonderful things about that book is I can pick it up on any page and start reading or open the audiobook at any point and start listening. And I, it doesn't matter where I pick it up. I just love it. And it really made me go, oh crap, like this book is so good that I wonder what I've been missing out on for the last few years by not reading much fiction. I think this happened about six years ago. It's one of my favorite books, maybe my favorite novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you read it before? Uh, I mean, when I was in high school. Yeah, I mean, it's so beautiful. It's On every level, it's so beautifully written. It's so um, relatable. And um, it's so clever. Like, for those who don't know, who haven't read it, I don't want to give too many spoilers away. But, but it's like... A guy is made smart 
who was retarded using an experiment and... You're not supposed to use the word retarded. I don't really mind, so I'm not that politically correct. Also, it just comes from the French word, which means... For slow. For late, yeah. Late. So, like, on uh, retard means late. So, it just means a late developer. It's the Latin root retare. So, I don't think it should be... The, the, I don't think it should be that offensive if it just means, like, late developer. But, um, basically... He needs to decode his whole entire life because as a smart person he needs to look back and it's of great psychological significance. And one of the things is some people he thought were his friends, and in many ways were his friends, mistreated him. But they, they only did it because they knew that he didn't understand it and wouldn't be hurt by it. If they'd known that he would one day be able to decode that and be hurt by it, they wouldn't have done it. Not because they they would have been like, oh, I don't want to get caught out mistreating this late developer. Just because they wouldn't have actually wanted to hurt him. They only did the mean, did and said the mean things because they thought no victim, no crime. But it's complicated because they were still laughing at him and they were still kind of assholes. In fact, they were very much so assholes. So it's got this rich psychological fabric to it. And I would say that was is the kind of thing that makes me go, wow, in a book. I mean, speaking of the Russians, I mean, it makes me think of Dostoevsky with The Brothers Karamazov, which, again, some say is the greatest novel ever written. The scenes in that that are rich are like, so fucking rich like hmm. have you read it before uh no um it's like it's surprising that you mentioned it though because there's a copy sitting in my flat back in scotland i mean to go back and read some of it again or i mean like but is this like some of that i thought was unrelated and this happens a lot in dostoevsky where i'm so cynical i think that woman would never go for that guy that guy is so try hard she would, he would never fancy her. She would never fancy him. But then it was a different time. And also, I don't know, there's this whole thing where one of the characters really is in love with this girl who traded up for someone else, probably because he was so try-hard. And I was like, and then he goes and runs after her. And I'm like, that's the last thing you want to do. She's never going to go for you. But then the guy she fancies mistreats her so badly that when he turns up and he's in love with her, she's like, oh my God, yes, this guy is actually the one for me. Look, like, and, and then I thought, well, maybe it isn't that unrealistic because if you think about it, she's young and she's probably in the throes of infatuation herself and dramatic and people didn't have, weren't so cynical and didn't have all these uh, soap operas and expectations of relationships and well it's not like you learn anything from those anyway but i feel like that's a story that a lot of people can relate to going through you know the the, the first stages of being in love yeah and, and and that's it and it's not like people didn't have as many relationships then they didn't have a wide frame of reference it's like nowadays you had one girl that you had like the most amazing deep conversations with one girl that uh i don't know the, you, you just had great chemistry in bed with one one girl that was like great another way and then and then you're like you put this composite together in your head that's like the ultimate girl which is a combination of the best bits of all the women you've ever been with or yeah you or, kind of or, like or, yeah and, and you're never going to meet someone things. like that 
because yeah. it's just too per perfect a standard and it's the same for women once you've been in a bunch of relationships it's like oh I want this man that's a combination of the best features of all the boyfriends I've ever had and, right. I'm sorry and you're not you the perfect man either yeah. like nobody's yeah. the perfect person you can't have it all yeah. and then people become very jaded and disillusioned with relationships because they expect when they get in a relationship suddenly they'll feel like Oh, oh, the sky opens up and the beams My life's light. complete, finally. Yes. No, I'm sorry, getting in a relationship is not going to, it's going to heal you of your childhood trauma. Yeah. So, oh God, that's the worst thing. So, oh. Yeah, so, be, so basically books are good for illustrating and warning us off of making <laughs> stupid romantic decisions. Yes. And like, I think, uh, yeah, I think again, like Jane Austen was good for this, like in Pride and Prejudice. She wasn't saying, she, she was saying, look, or in her like be pr okay you you don't want to be too have well, pride yeah. but also <laughs> yeah. well, no, also, no that's no. a perfect way to put it is it really I've never uh, uh, I've never read Pride and Prejudice uh, either yeah okay yeah. well I, in a sense she, uh, in a sense she's saying okay yeah like material stability is not everything but you shouldn't pretend that it's not worth anything it is important as well and like having a great like Oh, romance is not everything, but I mean it's important as well. So, like, be prudent. Yeah. Be have sense, and yes. also have sensibilities. <laughs> oh my God, that that might be the best literary literary joke. I think on I, this podcast. I, I yes, that's ever been said on this podcast. It's not really uh, a high bar. <laughs> No, but it's good. We we've set we've set a high bar now. So what is this is this episode like what do we look for in books? I think yes. I think it's like, what what should we look for in fiction? I think. What should we look for in fiction? Um I think uh well what I want what I want in fiction is always uh is is character development. Yeah, that's I what think. I love. And that's why I prefer the novel and theater. Yes. To television. To, yes. And movies. Do you know what? Movies very rarely have very rich characters with great character development. Very, very rarely, surprisingly. Yeah. It is, and that I, but I think when they do have it, I think they get, they get hugely popular. I don't, I think the people which watching is, movies. Which makes it weird that they don't do that more. Yeah. But I think the people, because a, a lot of people, well, okay, you start with this, you get this, you end up with this medium of like a miniseries. Yeah, the miniseries is much better. I never understand why they bring out another movie of the Count of Monte Cristo or Moby Dick or something like that. It's yeah. like you cannot fit it's such Agatha a huge. Christie. You can't fit such a huge novel into a movie. Why don't you do a miniseries? See if you're going to do, like, War and Peace or Ara Anna Karenina. Why don't you Era do Karenina. A Anna Karenina? Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Whatever it's called. Okay. Why don't you do it? Why mm -hmm. don't you do ten, one-hour episodes or or six one-hour episodes? Like, give the freaking novel space to breathe. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be. Uh, definitely the new way of I think so of I mean, digesting I love that you know Les, Ma Les Miserables by um, the good French author the, you know that Victor good, Hugo that good French yeah yeah <laughs> Like that would be great if you could do. The but the opera was very good as well. Is, yeah, it's is, very is good traditionally musical. yes. Yeah, and and yeah, I think maybe ten hours for that novel. I mean, 
Yeah. That's still squeezing it in. But there, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the novel which is about the political situation in France at the time, which mm. you can basically take out because it's no longer relevant. It's not necessary for the exposition. It comes back to this idea of the romantic writers were trying to give people ethical instruction. Mm. A little bit um, a little bit pretentious, but that's what they saw as their role. To, to demonstrate man as he could and should be. Which is much more admirable than yeah. anyone who writes anything today. I think I think too often when when screenwriters are trying to adapt something, mm-hmm. they uh, they take the source material and then distill it down to like five or six. That you get like five or six things that are necessary for the plot, uh, five or six scenes that are uh, really cinematic and look good on camera, and then you get. Uh, I don't know, a little bit of extra stuff that you spice in there that's like necessary transitions or I don't know, whatever the fuck. And, uh, but, I mean, aside from the, from the, the, from the needed, uh, from how much you need to do to reduce it down simply to fit it into an hour and a half or three hours or whatever, like, what you're getting out of it, uh, or what you're cutting from it uh, cuts so much of the original author's spirit. With yeah. with Harry Potter, I don't think that was uh, too much of a problem. Mm. But I waver back and forth on that because because um, Harry Potter was a, a very enjoyable book for me when I was a kid. Did you read the whole series? I did. Wow, amazing. Uh, I I loved it. And uh, but when you get with the movies, when I was watching the movies originally, uh, you know, author aside. Um, when I was watching the movies, I would, uh, I would already know kind of what's going on, and so, like, the, the bit for, like, the Room of Requirement, uh, was nowhere near as good as it was in the books, Mm. uh, and, and you could say that about a lot of stuff, and there's, like, little, like, the bit with the mirror in, in the very last movie, that, uh, was really woven into uh, the plot in a way, in the books, in a way that, uh, you couldn't really put it on screen. So, yes. so, so like there are some limitations to screen as a medium because you don't have access to the unconscious material of the characters and things like that. And yes. Alternatively, uh, used correctly, uh, the screen can portray so much more information much quicker yes. than a novel can. In many ways. Yes. So can you, you get, yeah, actually give us some examples. Oh, buddy. All right. Because, like, they say a picture paints a thousand words, so... And a picture really does paint a thousand words in that sense. Because what you get... Um, so, when you have... In Lord of the Rings... Uh, in Lord of the Rings, it's a very good example. When you see Frodo for the first time, mm-hmm. he's just sitting under a tree reading a book. Right. And you already have this picture of... Hobbiton, mm-hmm. with uh, all the hobbits running about, but they do d- describe it kind of using uh, Tolkien's original words, which is very nice. But this image of uh, this image of Frodo sitting, just kind of without any care in the world, reading his reading his book, enjoying life having a very 
easy time of it. This just creates what you want of the character. And you know instantly that Frodo isn't Frodo isn't a person who has any sort of responsibility. Right, okay. He's he's and you outside just do that of... in one scene, you don't need to describe it at length exactly. using text. That's a good example. And i I just think I can't and remember a particular scene, but when you see like Darth Vader or something like that, yeah. you, you, you that image is all you need to know. Yes. He's a what giant dark person in a yeah. cape that's willing to kill people. And yeah, and the music as well. So yes, the music, saying, the music comes with it. Oh, alternatively, uh, well not alternatively, or kind of subsequently, you get, so like in the, the noir genre is great for this, because you get, you know, the man in the trench coat with the fedora standing under a streetlight casting a very long shadow. Uh, you create this anti-hero who you're sort of afraid of, uh, but are are drawn to at the same time. And, it, it, and an expression, too. You understand that, like, this is a person who's... has character written into their face. Right. And it's just kind of become... Like, like the, the cliché. And when you understand a cliché, you understand it across genres. So, it's... A big, uh, the image, uh, the the concept of an image, is able to del to deliver a lot of information that would otherwise uh, be written out over uh, several pages, which isn't a bad thing. But character development comes in the same way that a novel does it on screen, I... which is over time and through challenge. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why I have a hard time with film, contemporary film. I so rarely see one that I like. Um, maybe it's not its not the medium, it's the fact that I see the medium could be great and they, they just don't use it. They just don't use it. And they, they, they don't do what they should be doing with it. In my opinion, like pr presenting you just explained ways where the screen is so good at conveying a lot of information in a short period of time. Hmm. But I, um, I really liked uh, Midsummer as well. Right. God, that movie is crazy. Uh, I'll give you an example. Yes. Sorry, Sorry, go on. Go, go on. on. No, no, you, you, you speak about the movie and I'll, I'll come back okay. around to mine. So what happens in Midsummer in the very opening uh, of Midsummer, not spoiling anything, but... Or somewhat spoiling anything, but the the main character is kind of thrust into this emotionally vulnerable position, which, you know, when you're about to enter a cult is probably the worst place to be. But the you get, like, everything is dark, it happens at night, this, you get a, a, a an image of a text message. Mm -hmm. Which, in some ways, is... I mean, you know, obviously using text on screen is... It, it, you could bring up that point as being... It, is a very curious point. But... What happens in the next five minutes of that opening... Is so intensely dramatic and... Doesn't occur with any movement or... 
or the only thing that moves is the camera. And I think, I think what happens is like this, this, this girl is trying to contact her sister and her sister texts her these like kind of curious and, and kind of mysterious, uh, you know, this mysterious message. Uh, and then you find out what you find out, but how does the screen help to convey a lot quickly? Everything is everything is dark. Everything is quiet. Everything is uh, full of tension. So, so what you see is, along with like a worried look on this girl's face, uh, you know, you might not be able to decipher the meaning of the text immediately, but uh, with the with the air of of silence and darkness, you know that, like, the shit ain't good, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, the... And... With... She calls her boyfriend because she's worried about what's going on, and the boyfriend doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the... The boyfriend is just, you know, tired of dealing with her shit. As, mm -hmm. her, you know, quote-unquote, her shit. That's actually. what he perceives it as, yeah. Yes, and it turns out to be a very horrible situation. Right. Yeah, so I guess... So, but you get all that in, in an instant. Right, so this is the kind of like abuse, what I see is the abuse of the medium, which I was going to speak about. Yeah. Which is like, I went out to see the first of the three Hobbit movies in the cinema, and it was so obvious to me not to watch the rest, because, <laughs> see... I would agree with you. Because... What happened was, in The Hobbit, what does Bilbo Baggins have to contribute? The dwarves don't know why why Gandalf invited him along. They're like, who's this fucking guy? Yeah. Uh, he seems lazy. Um, he has to trick them. Right. Wait, yeah, yeah like, okay, give, okay. Me, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck with it. All right. Right? They've, they're the brawn, right? Right. When Bilbo comes into his own, he uses his wits. He keeps the goblins talking all night, and the goblins turn into stone. Trolls. Trolls. Sorry, I get the two confused. Mm. Goblins, trolls. It's all about your fucking... As D&D, &D, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the point is, he keeps them talking all night, and they turn into stone. Now, much like the yellow song, Turn into stone, when you come on. I can't go on. Ding, 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 Fucking great song. Okay. Anyway, the point is, in the movie, they turned it into a fight scene. Therefore, make it, like, how thick? How thick? Yeah. The thing is, they're making people thicker, right? Because even if you think people are too unsophisticated to get the idea that the dwarfs are the brawn and Bilbo's the brains then you can teach them yeah. you can go you can really dumb it down and go and have the dwarf saying you know I didn't think that much about that Bilbo before but he kept those trolls up all night talking and then they turned to stone they turn it into a fight scene and this is what I hate about movies Everything has to be explicit now. Nothing can be implicit. And 
And what's funny is that they did this scene. Uh, they already told the story of this scene in Lord of the Rings beforehand, uh-huh. and they told it, and they like canonically changed it. Yeah, I know. In the, and Why would you take the most one of the most critical scenes of the book that demonstrates what Bilbo has to offer apart from what the dwarves have to offer, which is that he's clever, you know, clever and talkative and charismatic, whereas yeah. they're the brawn. You, and then, and then. You, you dumb it down to the lowest co- common denominator. I can't remember if I talked about this on the show before or not, but there's a really awesome short story by Philip K. Dick called Paycheck. And uh, mm. do, do, no, 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 no. You've talked about other Philip K. Dick things, but not Paycheck right. yet. Paycheck, okay. The story is a guy sold part of his life. He can't remember. He wakes up. And he can't remember the last nine months of his life or something like that. Because he sold it, he did a job, and his employer wiped his memory, and that, for a paycheck. That happens in Neuromancer too, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he feels like a, he feels like a prostitute because he sold nine months of his life for a paycheck. Explicitly nine months is is very nice I might might be getting the period wrong. Anyway. Well. It it might have been six months. We can dream. It might have been two years, I can't remember what it was. So, the, the point is, they made a movie of it with Ben Affleck, I think, and cast Uma Thurman. If I had the rights to the movie and I was the director, I'd be like, oh, this is juicy. Let's ham up that theme that he feels like a prostitute because he sold his life for nothing. Yeah. They actually completely removed that theme from the, from the movie and they just turned it into an action sci-fi. It's like... Why would you take the most juicy, interesting thing about the short story and take it out and turn it into an action movie with no characters? Yeah, there's so many examples of when they they think what the audience wants is just fighting and... Uh... Like, I think... The, the thing is, the movie didn't do very well. The interesting thing is they did the same with Minority Report. If you read this short story of Minority Report, yeah. it's all about character development. It's all about the guy who created pre-crime feeling bad because he's getting pushed out of pre-crime by a younger guy and like yeah um, which does happen but yeah and like and, and they took all of that out of the movie and they just turned it into an action sci-fi and it's like but god I love that movie though <laughs> oh, well, you've, not, you've not read the short story I'm not, I, 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 I hold the movie in contempt de- because okay, it, it doesn't me. have the depth of the short story so I will definitely read the short story one, th- one they did good was A Scanner Darkly in a sense, the movie's better than the book because the book's actually quite turgid. But these short stories, I mean, Philip K. Dick of the sci-fi genre was known for creating rich characters because a lot of sci-fi authors just don't create rich characters because they're more about the themes they want to explore. So he got um, elevated as an author because like, wow, he writes really interesting, compelling characters. And to take a short story that's got great characters in it and then make them generic when you put it on the screen is just such a travesty. Yeah. And and like I re- like I don't want, I could, I don't want to give spoilers, but it's like the the whole interesting. I don't know if they had this in the movie, but in, in the end, it, the the guy takes respond take. The guy goes to commit the murder because if he didn't, that would be the end of pre-crime. So there's a spoiler, right? Yeah. Uh, you can still enjoy the the short. Was, is that in the movie as well? 
Uh, sort of. No, no, it's not. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. That, that's, no. that was the whole thing that was good about the book, right? This guy, the, 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 the short story, this well, guy develops pre-crime and then he gets accused by pre-crime of committing a crime and he's like, well, pre-crime's never been wrong, so he thinks he's being framed. But he's not being framed, pre-crime's right, it's just he takes responsibility for the murder because he realises if he didn't then that would be the end of pre-crime and he's so proud that pre-crime's preventing crime that he doesn't want to fuck it up. So that's amazing. The fact that you'd go and create a movie and take out that amazing idea and make it lowest common denominator pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. Sorry that this I'm is... sorry no, that no, 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 pissing no, no, over no. a movie that you like. Do you, do you, like should I make an argument yeah, for go the movie? For it, do it. All right. That's uh, what the podcast's all about. I don't need everyone to agree with me all the time. No, 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 no. Of course. I think the I think the movie definitely contributed to the sci-fi genre in a way that uh, similar to how Blade Runner did. Or oh, fuck off! It's used, not a, it's not in a, used, it's not in a league with Blade Runner. No, but I, I think it used. I think it used uh, uh, things from Blade Runner. I know I'm just gonna have to endure you you hating me That's for the next for five minutes. Uh, uh, I robot. Don't even get me started on casting. Oh God, I robot Smith. was so awful. Uh, yeah, it, but like those, I first off, I lose it. For uh, like asexual, uh, bald-headed psychic people. Okay. That is my this is, favorite. This oh, so is like the visual stuff. Absolutely, but uh, and I also like. I don't care for that. Like no, the, the I like it when it advertises the stuff. plot. I like yes. it when it has the plot. But see, <laughs> visuals like my friend David, he masters all this stuff for classic movies to Blu-ray. So he's like, oh, the yeah. video quality on that. It's not good enough, and he cares all about all about that shit. I fucking, I'm all about plot and character development. Uh, if sure. the visuals enhance that, then amazing. But I'm never like, wow, that's a really well shot out scene. So maybe that's just, I underappreciate I think the visuals, that. yes, I think the visuals enhance uh, the story of Minority okay. Report. Again, haven't read the story yet. So Go and read it. I, that's your assignment. I definitely will now, yes, I have homework. Very happy. Very happy that it I have sci-fi homework as well, because that's my favorite kind. It only takes 45 minutes to read the short story. Yeah, that's great. It's amazing. And like, so, and like paychecks, like two hours maybe of reading, maybe an hour and a half of reading. Amazing it. short story. Amazing short story. So I love, yes, the fact that uh, you're so passionate about it is great because I am really looking forward to reading the short story now. And hearing, simply hearing uh, the fact that the ending is different too yeah. is... Oh, and I, I spoiled it for everyone. But do you know what? It's still good even if you know what the ending is. Then there's uh, Total Recall, by the way, which is also a really cool short story. And I think the original movie of Total Recall was pretty good. Yeah. Right up until the end where they have this completely pointless action scene for 15 minutes that doesn't contribute anything to the plot. <laughs> but, I mean, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's a really good movie. I mean, it's very entertaining. It's not the same as the short story, but it's... But they, they did a good job. But it, see, that came out during the era where the sci-fi movies were good. Terminator 2, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, was yes. Ausgezeichnet, <laughs> which is German for outstanding. Right? Close uh, enough. Robocop. Yeah. Robocop 1. Oh my fucking God. I mean, that should have been the model for a sci-fi action. I've never the, seen Robocop. Oh man, 
I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to do any spoilers, but the end is good. The dialogue is good. Like, Robocop 1 is, like, so, f so fun and so interesting, and it's got a great twist in the end, and it's like, I mean... Was it the only thing he couldn't enforce was his own humanity? Uh, that's, I think that's, like... I don't know, I'm, not, I'm just talking Ro shit. Robocop 2 was not very good, but it had good things about it. Right? Okay. So it's, it's one of these things where, like, I love Babylon 5, right? And the... Battle yeah, you've made a point of it. Ba ba Battlestar Galactica came out 10 years later and wasn't nearly as good as Babylon 5. No, or was it? Yeah. Two th yeah. It wasn't nearly as good as Babylon 5. And I was like... You know, when we have a fan base, people are going to be very mad about that. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I, I, I hope they are. Because yeah. see if you prefer Battlestar Galactica to Babylon 5, you don't even deserve a seat at the table. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, Babylon 5 wasn't perfect. There was a lot of bad things about it. It had a lot of loose ends that it did tie up and, and stuff like that. But I felt like, how dare you, ba Battlestar Galactica, not be better than Babylon 5? They gave you the model. They gave you the model. They showed you how to do it. The only thing you needed to do was improve upon it, right? Yeah. They, they gave you the template. Babylon 5 had to make it up from scratch, right? That was the first show that was ever written over five seasons. A first plot arc that was planned over five seasons. They, no one had ever done it before. They gave you the model. Like, all you needed to do was say, right, they did it good. I think that's true so many things better. today. I so, think it's so, it's so... That's how I feel about Robocop and yeah. Terminator 2. They set the standard for sci-fi action. And they were so good that it's like... Why did you have to not just copy Robocop, like, and just do it your own way? Why do you need to degenerate the genre when people have already shown you how to do it well? I think too many people, uh, going back into the writing part of our writing podcast and not just movies, uh, the, I think too many people when they start out writing or when they're given an opportunity to write something, uh, like that, it ends up being... Not so much like, oh, I have this opportunity to do my own thing, but you, people don't don't think to to stand on the shoulders of giants, uh, which is the best advice anyone could give yeah, anyone. Yeah, maybe they're hacks. Yeah, maybe that doesn't make someone a hack. It just makes someone uneducated. I, I think you know what you should. I always try and contribute something, and like, yeah, you should contribute something, but you should do so. Like, by following the lessons of the people yeah, who were exactly. better than you. Yeah. So, so, so there's no... See, when once you've got Robocop 1 and Terminator 2, you like watch those movies and say, I want to do something that's as good as that. Or, or at least attempts to be. Um, don't be like, oh, we don't need any characters, we don't need that much of a plot. Like, you know, why would you do that? Like, some of these... And do you know what I think is so lazy, and I've always thought this was lazy since when I was a kid, when you've got this big mystery going all the way through the episode or the movie and at the end they don't solve it in a clever way they just go who knows we'll leave it up to you to the audience to decide Lame. that's so fucking lazy like that like and, it, and and now it's ubiquitous like i remember seeing that that movie about you know the bird that where where well some people get mad when they when they get an answer especially like did you were you around when they finished uh 
in inheritance, uh, <laughs> a, a succession, mm. and they kind of like they they didn't. I wouldn't say it was um, like implied. You know, they were they had a clear ending, but they people were mad that it wasn't. It kind of like a it, it, people were mad that it, that it was too too murky too too like and like it, with that kind of thing all you wanted with that was the journey you're like nobody wants the end of that nobody wants an answer as, yeah, oh like, it was this guy they dragged stuff out too long I mean I didn't watch all of um, I mean me neither but she Game of Thrones but I mean they, you know it would be better if you did a couple of episodes less per season and just dragged out all the fucking pointless waiting and spanning things out. It's like, you know, it's That's like... That's the point, man. Do, like, it's the you, journey. Do you think so? Yes. I, I don't like it. I want... Yes, I, I thought it like, was... I like it when it's all killer, no filler. It's like the, the Manic Street Preachers' first album is a double album because they were too stubborn and then later on they went do you know what it would be good if we just fucking taken out all the second rate songs and just recorded one album uh, a one final album and it's kind of like the same when Guns N' Roses did Use Your Illusions 1 and 2 like why don't they just fucking take all the great songs put them on one album and then all the other songs that weren't as good say here's a like B-side album like just give me your good shit I don't yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe we just I'm not saying you're, you I thought I, I thought you were talking about Well, I, I thought you mine. were talking about you you hated being led on. But no, you thought some of it. I you just you like, just didn't like some I don't of the like story. Waffling meandering stuff like I didn't even oh, it's, Game didn't of even, Thrones is 100% meander and, the Game of but, Thrones but, is, some, 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 but when it's good it's really good yeah but when they stop meandering and they start doing conclusions to things oh. when when things start happening that's when you get the last season and, of Game of well, Thrones I mean, no that was so terrible that. But, but that's on that's when them they're like, because they should the have, they should have been like let's try and do this really well and I actually thought... Well, maybe they thought when, they were doing it when really they well. did the th When they did... When they came out and did the Star Wars prequels... Don't even get me started on those. I mean, I'm sure... I actually thought... I can't... No, if you like them, if you like them, then the, we're, we're not the, friends anymore. There, there was... There was... There was... I think it was the <laughs> second one. I was like... Oh, they tried really hard there. I didn't think it was a great movie, but I thought... Well... They're all so bad. Really? Well, I actually didn't think they were very good, but I thought there was good things about them. One of the things I thought was really bad about it was when... Um, what's the... the when, when he tried to talk Ray round to the dark side, his pitch was fucking shit. Like I would have loved Wait, the sequels. Yeah, and the and the the the, the, the prequels. In the like, prequels, Ray is from the sequels. Wait, who who does he try? The girl, the girl Jedi is from yeah. the sequels. It's it's the most recent. Yeah. Disney movies. Yeah. Yes. I'm like those are the I'm sequels. Like, see if I was gonna write that, I would have been like, look, there's always gonna be light and dark, no matter what you do. So. Well, your it's, pitch to joining the it, dark side is yeah, much better than... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, that, this is what I would have done. I, like, I would have elevated it. I would have been like, look, it's always going to be dark, 
and light no matter what. It's just nature. You know, join me and we can make the, you know, we can bring balance to the force. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll rule, whatever, like, make it something we'll rule that's, the galaxy. we'll rule the galaxy better you and I than someone else. And, like, actually make it a pitch that someone might actually respond to. But they just can't get no. new writers in No, for it's meant for... Disney wants to create a shiny movie meant for six-year-olds. Yeah. Where all the evil is evil and all the good is good. Uh, and and like, there is no... There is no, you know... And you know what? Two I, ways about I'd it. Like, I'd like to have some great... Like, see when they brought back the Star Trek as well. And they did the thing where... Um, the new guy becomes Kirk, and the, the new guy becomes Spock. Oh, Chris you know what, Pine. Yeah. Do you know what I would say? Have you seen Remember the, when he, the he stuff on that. Paramount Plus? That shit is awesome. The is uh, Strange New Worlds? No. That shit is really good. I tried to watch Picard, and I got halfway through it. Picard like, sucks. I was like, this is not satisfying enough. You could have no. done something really good, and you've not done it. But yeah, anyway, let's yeah, talk yeah, about, yeah. about what I would have done with the Star Wars movie. Let's, let's talk about what you would have done with the Star Wars movie. Right, see when, like... They do the reverse can. Pitch me the dark side. Go on. All right, do. do. Uh, I need to prepare for that. The okay. thing is, it's been so long since I've seen the movie that I can't. I had a really good pitch. We well, don't it. have to pitch me that. Like, do like right now. Like you're you're an evil Jedi trying to turn me. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, like, so I my master. I'm a very like. I've only just but learned about the force. Love, but we're also. But love. we're also naturally we're yes head over heels. And I'd be love. like. Yes. There's always dark and light. That is just the nature of the universe. If you were born, th th this is a cycle that's happened before, and it's going to be happen again. The same way that Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, it's natural for it's natural for the for the good to turn to the evil. We may be fated to die. We may be fated to die for t together. But that's what makes the poetry of the universe. And we, and you know, we we will rule as a, you know, as king and queen. And perhaps, <laughs> perhaps eventually we will be va vanquished. Even, but that is all good. But, but that is all all in the nature of the force too. And that is how we manifest destiny. Come, come with me, and we shall rule the galaxy together. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yes. That that would have made for a compelling plot. Yeah. Can I tell you what I do at Star Trek? Someone needs to hire me for fuck's sake. I know, right? right? Yeah, basically, I'd do something really brave, right? Okay. Um They did this reverse can where Spock almost dies instead of or instead of Kirk. And then I think they brought him back and Kirk becomes captain, Spock becomes first officer. What I would have done is I would just reversed it and made Spock captain and Kirk first officer and do a whole new season of Star Wars where it's like Spock is this like captain that wants to be logical he's got this this loose cannon first officer called Kirk who disobeys him and does what he wants but always gets him out of t tight jams that is what they did and he wants to they want no but I mean for not just for five minutes. Oh, okay, for like fucking, an extended, yeah. For a whole movie or a whole series or a whole series of movies and go, Spock wants to get rid of Kirk because Kirk is a loose cannon, but he can't because Kirk keeps on getting him out of tight jams and Spock senses in certain situations that the whole crew will turn against him if he gets rid of Kirk. 
Now, it's much that more diabolical some, than, uh, That would be something so bold and new and brave. Well, yeah, but you're making it about, like, a conspiracy instead of about friendship. The whole point is that they have, they have uh, opposing uh, philosophies, opposing viewpoints on life, but they, but they become friends in the end. The whole point is that they're alien to each other, but they learn to work together. You're why talking about... Why can't they do that? Why can't they do that? They do do that. That's no, the... but why can't they do that with, with Spock as captain and Kirk as first officer? Well, just you were because then, then if you just to do it something would be about, absolutely new, do it would be about sabotage. Do something be, absolutely new and crazy. Because if you want to reverse the dynamic, you're not going to have the same story. You're going to have you're going to have a, a a story about Kirk trying to uh, trying to sabotage Spock's no. authority because he thinks what he should do yeah. is right, and he'll pursue that rightness no matter what no matter what ends no not ma- no not ma- no not no matter what ends but when to... it comes to the crunch because he's afraid that Spock's idea will fail them all yes yeah and so he'll he'll try to subvert it in that way yeah and 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 then and then he goes through this inner dilemma because on one hand he wants to do what he knows is his duty which is to to execute the captain's orders, but on the but other then hand, he knows he has to destroy the captain to save the crew. No, he doesn't destroy the captain. He just finagles it a bit and slightly does something other than what was originally intended, and then is in the and then it's a close shave. But he's proven right, and he uh, says, "I'm sorry, but I can." could do anything else okay well you're on tight watch <laughs> I don't know I just felt like they should do something brave instead of something pro- we're, we're talking about Expected. what yeah we're yes. talking about what we want in fiction well, and okay. I guess what I want is something brave and bold and like instead of having these stories where someone's completely in love with someone else and uh, how about something well, like, like real right, life I'll, how about I'll, something I'll like this. in real life where people are actually ambivalent well let me and... tell you uh, about this this okay, is the new uh, the, the new Star Trek series Strange New Worlds on uh... go on okay the new Star Trek series uh, Strange New Worlds on on uh, Paramount Plus or whatever they, it's they got uh, it's a prequel okay so it's about Captain Christopher Pike the guy who was captain of the Enterprise before Kirk and uh, if you're a huge Star Trek fan, which I'm not, but you know what happens yeah, I, to... You're, you're debating Star Trek with me and you're not even a Trekkie. Shut up, shut Get up, let me finish. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. So you know what happens to Christopher Pike, right? Okay. He gets, he gets like, annihilated and, like, fucking disformed because of uh, his moral choices of, like, saving this, uh, saving this colony. Um, well, he retains the moral hydra. Uh, tech, well, no, but, like, what happens... That's like the regular thing that you'd expect that you expect from the series. That's what happens. But what? So you know that going into this new miniseries. Okay. So it gives you. So what? What they do to make it interesting is they don't just tell you a story and then like expect you to already know the end of it. They tell you the same story, and they inform the protagonist of his story as well. So they tell Christopher Pike, the character, that he's going to be, you know, destroyed and fucked up uh, eventually, which will lead to Kirk's rise to be captain of the Enterprise. So he knows he's doomed (laughs) from the outset. That's cool. Yes. I like it already, and I haven't seen it. I know, right? And he's forced to continue making these choices uh, to the best of his ability, while still managing his own fear that he will one day have to confront. Uh, 
and and then a bunch of other stuff happens with like timelines and uh, and they don't change uh, what happens necessarily, but they do a lot of like hoopty doopty stuff to hoopty doopty hoopty doopty to bring you uh, to bring you in extra uh, a little bit of Star Wars fan service. But the stuff that isn't fan service is spectacular. Like they they do classic uh, classic tales. Like there's one episode of uh, where they have to where they go down to this. Uh, the surface of this planet to try and like help these people out because this strange kind of uh, interstellar uh, metal has landed on the planet and it's affecting the people's minds uh, by erasing their memories mm -hmm. so like everyone no one has a long-term memory uh, so obviously the instant they hit the planet they fucking forget who they are and they're enslaved because the nobility uh, of this planet lives in a castle with you know, a radioactive metal that protects them from, that, you know, saves their long-term memory from being erased. So, like, I mean, that's just, like, a big classic Star Trek thing to me, is that, like, oh, they're clearly, you know, they're, they're in, like, what if this would happen, and it can only happen in space? Yeah. Uh, so I think, that's like, the, yeah, like, the next generation started out a bit silly, but as it matured... It just, I used to love the fact they were always dealing with moral issues, moral dilemmas. This is coming back to the Dostoevsky and Victor Hugo. Good. It's amazing the way that sometimes the podcast circles back like that. Yeah. And Babylon 5, you know, did that, uh, again, lots of moral dilemmas. Characters you like at the beginning, you come to despise because of their lack of moral character. Characters you were suspicious of at the beginning and didn't like, you come to love. And that's one of the things that I love about space, the space opera genre. It was always, you know, bringing back that romantic, I mean, in the set, when I say romantic, yeah, obviously, I mean early literary. 19th century. Yeah. It, the space opera, in a way that sci-fi books are not, sci-fi books are not romantic, but the space opera genre is romantic, and I think that was what's truly great about it. Yeah, I think this part, this... Uh, Star Trek, I think, is and it, I mean, yeah, you're right. All of the space operas, they definitely because they're yeah. able to take like this huge, grandiose. Star Trek Voyager was very much like a soap opera set in space, but they still kept on going with the moral dilemmas, moral dilemmas, moral dilemmas. Yeah. And I, I thought they did a really good job of that. And also, you know, speaking of like, um, I thought Catherine Janeway was a great character and in those days it was a great thing to have a female captain i was really disappointed with babylon 5 i think where when just before the the, the main character that was a woman uh, you know she was gonna she was she should have been captain but she died and it was like what fuck that was such a disappointment i was looking forward to her becoming the captain yeah so that was like a faux pas and very and i'm not just saying this like to bolster my feminist credentials I just thought that was the opportunity that they had for the plot and it was really sad anyway I think we're coming up on an hour so are we really? I think what I would oh, like wow. we can talk forever in fact we might record another podcast yeah but, but. so if you're going to write be bold, be adventurous, do something that's not been done before. And learn from previous authors. Learn from previous authors, include moral dilemmas, yes. don't make your characters one-dimensional. Elevate, don't don't go for broad appeal, and elevate. Because people, 
don't think your readers are dumb. Yeah, don't. Because you don't, should make them yeah, smarter. Yeah, don't do shit like that where, like, with the dwarves, don't turn a, don't turn an opportunity to show contrast because one character's got wits into a fight scene. Yeah. Most of all, get off your lazy ass and, and go, go right, right yourself. yourself. Damn, we're good. <laughs>